Hey, everybody. Welcome to Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. And before we start, I would like to thank AKG for sending us their Podcaster Essentials Kit. It includes a great set of headphones and a Lyra mic. And if you're thinking about starting your own podcast, this is a high-quality, low-cost way to get started. This week, Laura Carbona joins us from Berlin. She's released a live album, Live from Rock Palast, that's the closest thing to a live show we've had in over a year. Why? Because it's a live album with absolutely no overdubs or corrections. And we talk about how an accidental gift of Nirvana's Nevermind changed her musical perspective, causing her to put down her flute and pick up a guitar. She also talks about why she used demo vocals in the final mix of an album to get a true take over a polished one. And I wanted her to explain the differences between European and U.S. audiences because there is a definite distinction. Follow her on social media and pick up live at Rock Palast on Bandcamp. Follow us at Performance ANX on social media. Give us a review and help us rise on the charts. There's merch designed by Mark Dancy of Soundguard's Bad Motorfinger fame on performanceanx.threadless.com. Or treat us to a cup of coffee on ko-fi.com slash performance anxiety. Now let's join the conversation with Laura Carbona on performance anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. My name is Laura Carbona. You're listening to Performance Anxiety Podcast. I have a new record coming out. It's called Live at Rock Palast. And it's live without overdubs. And you're invited to check it out on bandcamp.com. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited. Oh, God. I think that's the first time anybody said that. Ah, I, it's been a while. It's been a while since I, I had had an interview, you know. Oh. We, we have a pandemic going on. Yeah, it's hard to put a whole lot of new stuff out with that going on. That is true. And you don't get to get out and see people and play your shows and that's do what you would true. normally do. That's absolutely true. I mean, it's a, a totally <laughs> different situation, but I just had a very, very long walk um, with uh, my drama and a oh, very nice. good friend. We have snow here in Berlin, and it's the first time that oh. I'm seeing snow here in Berlin, like oh. that much snow, and it's fucking cold. We are about to get some. We've had some here. I'll shoot, give you out, out my front door here. Oh, yeah, nice. So, nice. But, and we're about to get hit with some more. So thank you so much for coming on. I want to thank my friend and former guest, Andre Leo, for introducing me uh, to your music. Wonderful. Without him, I probably would have discovered it eventually because I am voracious in finding music and uh, people related to other artists, uh, musically speaking, probably would have eventually discovered you, but it got hastened by Andre and I am forever grateful to him for that because I'm loving the music. Oh, thank you. And you are already one of my top favorite guests ever because (laughs) you sent me everything. Yeah. I have it all right here and actual physical copies of the albums, not, not just download links. So yeah. You, that that puts you in the uh, top one percent of my guests already. <laughs> so thank you so Wonderful. much for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for the invita- invitation and uh, the space you're giving to me, and my art. It's exciting. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. So I, I want to start at the beginning. Uh, if you've heard some of the episodes, you know that I like to do kind of a career retrospective, almost yeah. to find out where you are. I like to know where you've been so when you were growing up and you're in you're in berlin but you're not from there originally no 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 okay so when you were growing up was there a lot of music in the house were were you exposed to a lot of music and what what kind of music Mm, no there there was not much um, music in the house i grew up in a very tiny teeny tiny town in the countryside in southern Germany surrounded by a forest. There was no internet and uh, we only had the radio. (laughs) So So radio music was was what I was listening to. And we had a vinyl player and a very small connection um, of uh, records. But I had to I had to find my music and I had to find my ways uh, to connect to it, which was 
a thing. I mean, imagine growing up in, in a tiny village with 500 people. You don't have internet. You don't have access to a, a vinyl shop or whatever. I mean, yeah, yeah. You, so, you're grateful for what, what, what is given to you. So, so you're just basically listening to what's on the radio. So what, what are they playing? 80s stuff. I mean, ah. I was born end of 80s, but also um, uh, rock stuff. Like it was very diverse. But when I think back uh, on my childhood, um, I'm remembering a vinyl that my dad had of Percy Sledge. Oh, wow. When a man loves a woman. Oh, God, I love oh. this. My wife loves that song. Yes, I love oh. it too. And, and he had... He, as I said, it's a, it was a small collection, but a whole lot of soul stuff. And I love soul music. So it was a and small collection, but a good one. Well, yeah, it worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I also have to, gi to give some credit to uh, church music because okay. we went to church on, on Sundays. We, we had to. But there was music. <laughs> there was someone playing the organ and, and people singing, not saying it was the best. But right. I mean... I love the reverb of uh, in a church, and yeah. I love and I love the melodies of uh, a spiritual still. So it, that was shaping my 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 thinking of music as well. Is that where you started singing in, a, in the church choir? I wish I could say that, but no. <laughs> I um I think singing was somehow part of me being a kid, but um it wasn't that present anymore when, when I became a teenager and I was singing in choirs from, I don't know, maybe it was 16, 17 ish or something like this. Okay. But I had a whole, a, a very, very long break. And I think I needed the, uh, the key moment of being exposed to Nirvana and listening to Nevermind and then being completely blown away yeah. by the v variety of sounds that exists in, in the world and by the intention and, and the anger and, and all that emotion. So that was just like, boom. Uh, uh, yeah. Mind blowing. Yeah. And I remember when that came out, I was in, I was a freshman in college when that came out and that, that just kind of reinvented everything for a lot of people yeah everything went from being this super polished overly processed sound to going back to being raw and yeah. uh, and i've had this discussion with a lot of people on the show it's music tends to be cyclical and nirvana wasn't necessarily revolutionary as far as the things that they were playing but the way they were doing it stripping everything down and making it raw and angry again was was it, it hadn't been done in, a, in in years and it it was revolutionary in a sense that people my age hadn't really heard that for years i mean i grew up listening to 80s and you know late late 70s early 80s and it was a, the yacht rock sound and the hair metal sound and it was all yeah you know some of it was polished turds, you know, some of it was just, it was crap that was processed and, and, and packaged to look a certain way and sound a certain way. And then yeah. Nirvana just said, nope, we're not doing that. And, yeah. uh, and to hear that, you know, even now that still affects people is fantastic. So were yes. you, were you, when did you start playing instruments? Was it, did you start with guitar? Um, no, I, I think I started, oh no. Uh, so if you want to, if you want to go way back, Let's I had to start with, with flute. Oh, cool! And I, I hated it. I fucking <laughs> hated it. But my brother was was playing it as well, and some uh, I I absolutely hated it. And we also had to play concerts and stuff. And I also hated it. And <laughs> I I hated a teacher. And and I guess that that was the point where when when I said I don't want to have a teacher anymore. I, I want to be self-taught and um, I was lucky to, to, to be so much, so supported by my parents that I um, received a keyboard. Oh, so wow. I could, yes, I could play a little, but I didn't want to have a teacher, which is not always helpful. And right. <laughs> There's a comedian that he <laughs> passed away, but Mitch Hedberg, one of my favorite comedians of all time, he said, one of his jokes was that I, I try to teach myself how to play guitar and I realized 
I don't know how to play, so how can I possibly teach myself? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, the same happened with, with the guitar. And, and again, it was maybe I was 15 or so when my dad accidentally gave me this Nirvana CD, and I had no idea what to expect. He accidentally gave it to you. Yes, because, you know, back in the days, people exchanged records and mm -hmm. burned them. Yes. So that was, I mean, that's not a nice thing. I don't want to promote that because <laughs> I'm, I'm cutting my own flesh here <laughs> being an artist. But um, it was a happy accident because uh, then I learned about Nirvana and the way you can use guitars. Yeah. And... As I said, it was mind blowing from songwriting, from from sounds, from the, the loudness of a guitar. And this is when I also wanted to have a guitar and I don't know, connect connect with it. Okay, yeah, that's that's fair. That's a, a great inspiration right there and a great starting point. When did you start playing in? Or did you start with bands, or were you going out and playing in front of people on your own? I was um, playing in bands, in in a school band. That was my first band, first participation in a band. Right, yeah. And then I was joining a cover band, which was, you know, I I had a limited access to a music scene. Yeah. Because I'm coming from this small town, so I was grateful for for meeting people that had to do something with music or or, or shared this love and, and this passion in a way. Yeah. Um, I, I covered music for a very long time, which was also cool because I learned more about rock um, music from the 70s and, and how you do harmonies and, and, and layers, how to sing in, in front of an audience. Yeah. And to do this all, um, that was a, an interesting uh, part of, of my way and, and growing into into this music thing. Well, I've always thought that being part of a cover band is actually a good way to, to learn how to write songs on your own songs. Because you learn from what other people have done. You learn song structure and lyrical structure and things, and it can help you writing your own stuff. I'm very, very sure that this helped me in, in a way because, I mean, so many... Mm, you know, I, I love to sing Janis Joplin and uh, stuff like this. Oh, I awesome. mean, that that's... That's still important to me in a way, uh, Joni Mitchell, and and so on. It absolutely inspired, but it's also very limiting in a way, and not the way that I wanna live my musical passion and how I wanna stand on a stage, if you can say that. Okay. And and entertain people, you know, mm -hmm. it, even though it was an acoustic thing and 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 was nice and good, but it was about entertaining people and giving them nice music background music for an evening playing at we weddings which i loved and and i still love doing that i still love wow. to sing uh, on weddings um but it's limiting because the audience expects uh, you to 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 copy the one-on-one -on -one thing and yeah it's not my thing no yeah. <laughs> no but when when you're out doing um your own set of your own music, if you throw in a cover, then I, I think people are more open to an interpretation of somebody else's song. Absolutely. And it's a total homage. Yeah. You know, exactly. because I can I can choose what means the song to me, what mm -hmm. means the song to us as a band. Why do we incorporate this into our set? That's a good point. Because if you're at a, like you said, you're singing at a wedding, people want to hear the song the way it's done because that the way it's recorded means something to them so if you do your own absolutely. interpretation and i respect gonna, that yeah i absolutely respect that yeah. and if if they want to have it then they can get this and there are uh, so many insanely talented and professionals that are specialized in in doing this one one or like 100 percent delivering the same as the the people are wishing but yeah it was good to learn, but there is a point where you feel like, ah, oh, maybe I need to find another way. Yeah. Got to do my own things. Yes. Is that what, is that how you started writing your own music or were you writing your own music the entire time? Um, yes, I, I was, um, 
creative for for a, a very long time but but also pretty shy about this yeah i, I also I remember that. yeah i also remember being a kid and and singing in the morning about i don't know what what i dreamed about <laughs> that's something i remember but then you grew up you become a teenager listening to nirvana playing school bands you want to write your own stuff and i did but it took me a while to find the confidence to really to really do it and to really say this is mine and this is how i feel and and it's, it's yeah it, it took me a while I was, I was very very shy about it how did you come up with uh your your first album then i mean what was the point where you said i'm just gonna do it i'm gonna record this i'm gonna write my own music and i'm gonna record it and we'll see what happens so before I did my solo um, record, I was in a punk band called Deine Jugend. It was a duo and inspired by the 80s about Deutsche Amerikanische Freundschaft. I don't know if you know that. I... D D A F. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. My, you should check them out. They're, okay. they're, they're fucking amazing. And we um, recorded two record records and were pretty well known in Germany and um, Euro Europe, I guess. Okay. In the underground scene. But at some point, I was just uh, fed up with the limitation something sometimes has. And okay. yeah, I sensed the deep wish to have a blank canvas and, and really starting all over, finding new melodies, finding new ideas and changing the language because uh, that um, project was in German. Uh, and okay. I also think German is a challenging language, especially to, to talk about emotions because we Germans don't do that. Right. And singing about emotions, that's tricky. I can If imagine. you also want to, to do this, I don't know, in, in, in a melodic way, it's a challenge yeah. and it's not my thing. And the English language gives me another way to express myself. Okay. Yeah, I imagine trying to be melodic. I mean, German, some of the German words are incredibly long and complex. <laughs> I can't imagine trying to write a love song with, yeah, me neither. A, you know, an 18 letter word trying to rhyme those things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a challenge and there are people that are very good at doing this, oh, but sure. English flows to me way better. And as I said, I can... I can express myself way easier and, and way clearer and oh, it gives me so much more. <laughs> so how did you end up recording your first solo album? How did it come out? I mean, were you demoing it and sending it out to people or were you uh, discovered? Well, um, it was uh, an in, in the box record, as you would say, okay. um, done by the, um, my musical par partner uh, from the old project, Danny Jugend. Mm -hmm. Oh, punk okay. band. He was he was helping me getting this together. He was setting up a new studio, and um, we joined forces in creating um, my first record. Now, were the songs written already, or were you going into the studio and, and trying to work things out in the studio? Oh no no no! We we were writing them together okay. while uh, recording them. You know, and, and in the in the box uh, record means there is no band. Right. There is a whole lot of programming and there is plug-in guitars and it's done way differently. Okay. And gave, uh, I mean, it was an opportunity and something cool to have also to have someone who is helping and is encouraging me to do so. But I also knew after this experiment that the next record should be an analog one. 
like right. where people participate <laughs> and play the instruments because I mean it's different, right? It there there's I wanted to mention that because it's a, a huge sound shift between the yes. two. Um, Sirens, the first album has, and and now knowing that, like you said, it was out of the box. It's definitely more, you know, drum machine feel, mm -hmm. uh, samples, beats. It's actually got kind of like an eighties goth feel to yeah, it. Yeah, I mean. I, I love that. I, I love the 80s. I, I also love Drum Machine. I love Gated Reverb on, yep. on a snare drum. Love that. Take me down to the house of Silky Road. Just bring me to the house and please don't me up when I sleep over. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a playground, which is great because I could, I mean, also the, the variations of songs that are on Sirens, not every song is still joining me on the journey or is in right. the set list but that's also a luxury of having the opportunity to test out what works for me in the moment and then realizing what what wants to grow with me were you going out and playing these songs live with a with a full mm -hmm. band after you recorded yes. it yeah oh, so, you, so you actually had to put a band together afterwards yeah, then afterwards wow. yeah okay it's a lighter poppier sounding album than MTC, uh, except for, you know, with a couple exceptions, like, like plan of attack, it's actually the, the end of that song is crazy. I love mm. that. It's pretty intense. <laughs> yeah. So did you go into the recording the MTC with the band that you had put together to tour, uh, sirens with? Um, yes. Yeah. So basically the same people. Yes. Now, did, were you writing together or were the songs oh, no. on MTC just, just you? I was I was writing on my own. Between Sirens and MTC happened uh, a huge shift, actually a huge crisis. Oh really? And yeah, I mean that's that's the explanation why MTC sounds so so much heavier and cathartic. Cathartic. That's the word I was gonna say for sure. Mm -hmm. I know there's some stories behind these songs and I want to find, I want to ask you uh, about because I know there's a story behind the MTC the title track mm -hmm. and I was kind of hoping you could maybe tell it to me in your own words about how you came up with the lyrics and the recording of it because I think you you recorded it in, in a hotel room and then you ended up using those those vocals on the final track um that was uh, who's gonna save you oh okay who's gonna save? okay so but I'm getting my tracks mixed up here. Okay, so how did that come about? <laughs> MTC or in general, you know, I, um, as I said, there happened a crisis between those two records and huge shifts and huge questions. So um, writing the MTC was also a journey of finding answers that I was looking for and so, like existential answers. Okay. And, um, yeah, there, there was so much heaviness and, and, and so much sadness that needed to make its way out. Okay. And I was, I was writing, um, the songs for the record, um, most of them in my bedroom, some of them, uh, in LA as well later. Okay. And when, when I wrote them or in general, when I write, I... I I feel like I'm I'm opening up something and receive a flow and and let this flow out again oh. through my voice and being so much into 
the songs and, and the mood of the songs. Um, it sometimes ap- happens that the demo vocals are just the truth. And okay. I, I cannot reproduce this as this spectrum of truth in a studio where there is a better microphone, a better room and so on. And I chose quite often to go for the truth of emotion instead of the technology or Or the the cleaner vocal maybe absolutely it it wasn't it it wasn't giving you the same emotion that the demo version was it's you know i'm i'm not an actress and um even I don't know how it works be, being an actress. <laughs> that said, and I'm also singing my my own songs on on stage with an intensity that is, is inspired from the moment of birth. Mm-hmm. But it is something different uh, being present in this moment of birth, receiving whatever wants to leave my tongue and and be sung or said. Um, especially, um, or, or for example. Um, it happened with Who's Gonna Save You. I okay. arrived uh, in Los Angeles for the first time ever in my life okay. on my own. And I had a very uh, scary night because there was a storm. I have no idea. I had no idea how intense storms can be in LA. Yeah. The stupid European being that yeah, storm. <laughs> I know storms. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. But I had no idea that if they send out a weather report for a a big storm it means that palms are breaking like sticks yeah and yeah. <laughs> so i was on my own in this house in la i was fucking jet lagged and just new to this everything and a bit um anxious uh, about the noises that i was hearing from outside the storm <laughs> that was rattling on under windows so i thought the best idea is to open up a red and to sing or, or try try to find the lyrics for who's gonna save you so i did wow. but you if you listen to it you hear my voice cracking mm-hmm. yeah that's anxiety that's like that's wow. like a window that was just like crashing and me being like oh! <laughs> while wow. singing and i mean that's that's what what this is about right how yeah. can i reproduce this in it i can sing it better sure but it's it's not about being better all the time. It's about the truth and the honesty, right? It's not about, like we had mentioned before, it's not about giving the most polished take. It's giving the most honest yes, take. Absolutely. It definitely comes across. And was that song <laughs> completely written and you were just singing it at that point, that point? Or were you writing it and singing it while at the same time? I was um, writing the instrumental before I left. Okay. Um, Germany and uh, arrived and knew that this this is a song I, I want to work with, but I didn't have I didn't have any lyrics. That just that was a moment or a document of the night. And wow. I love the fact that intent um, or in, intuitively perhaps um, my mind and spirit was laying the ground for <laughs> for this scary or anxious night. Yeah, I mean that that happens if you like creativity flow and trust into the process. You you help yourself getting things aligned it's magic and and you can can't explain it that's incredible wow (laughs) now knowing that now that that just brings that song to a whole different level for me that's just amazing (laughs) we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors you you're working on this album and You've got this, so you've actually kind of become comfortable with the band that you're that you're playing with now because you guys have played, you, you toured behind Sirens, and then you, you've got the same band in the studio for uh, MTC. So you're actually getting a lot more comfortable with the band. Was that part of, uh, is that what allowed you to to open up musically a little bit? Because this album MTC sounds a lot heavier. There's feedback. There's a lot of heaviness to the album musically a lot of a lot of uh, experimental stuff going on musically uh, more so than sirens was that because of your familiarity with the band that you were playing with um no i think it was because i was working on my own okay 
on on the demos and on the record and i there was an an idea shaping up how i wanted it to sound and you know this album is tri driven by anxiety pressure release um chaos dystopia dystopia i don't know what and and yeah. it sounds like this to me it's painful i actually wanted to i, I said to the engineer in the studio when we were recording um cellophane skin for example it has to be uncomfortable for the listeners ears <laughs> The, the wonderful um, experience to record at Rama Tone Studios in Mannheim, and they're very well known for their noise recordings and oh, um, cool. for their analog record. Like they're, they're the pros in Germany, That's I'd awesome. say. But I, I mean, I was just lucky because I lived in Mannheim, and and they were close, and yeah. uh, I could make this happen. But I mean, it, it was a great match because. They they had uh, crazy feedback stuff, crazy uh, analog if effect things, and again it was like a playground. I loved being able to touch the things with my hand. I yeah. I also remember when we um, recorded. I don't know. Oops, um, it it must have been uh, MTC. I was allowed to to go to the Culture Walsche. That's the It's an analog rack. Okay. And it distorts uh, a guitar or a sound big time. And I could intuitively um, be on, on the... Help me with the word. The dials? In the, the... On the dials, yes. I was listening to what the guitar player was doing and I, I knew when, when, when I wanted to have it more, more and less distorted. And it was live recorded. So there was no way back. And it was my intuition... Uh, mm -hmm. bringing in more feed feedback or or less but so, i mean so you were you were basically on the board listening while they're playing and and kind of producing the stuff your, yourself oh uh, well i wouldn't go that far because there was <laughs> christian christian Bietke who who was uh, recording this and as a, but they gave as you the a, freedom to, to mess around with stuff he gave me the absolute freedom and and that was something amazing to receive yeah. as a human in this world where, where someone gives you the opportunity like i know you're new to this world uh, of analog technology look i have this rack here and that's the way it sounds Th this is what you can do and test it out and and we're gonna go for what you want that's awesome that's wonderful that's how it should be right yeah that's incredible and that that's a testament to to your talent but that he actually had enough faith in you to go in and <laughs> say hey i think yeah. you know what you're doing well enough that you know what sound you want go play with this and find the sound you want i mean that's uh respect i yeah. guess but also uh, my respect towards him because sometimes i i was also oh, not sometimes i was also grateful for being served with opportunities right Because that, that needs talent. He needs to know what, what res his resources are mm -hmm. and what he can offer me. And, and then giving me the choice, that's something uh, pretty nice. What, uh, one of the things I really like about MTC is that you've got an element of Americana to the sound. There's, mm -hmm. I hear a lot of, like, uh, it's kind of like Chris Isaac meets Shoegaze. Oh. <laughs> yes. And it's really cool. And it... You've got a bit of that on Sirens, but it really intensifies a lot on the MTC, particularly like you'd mentioned the song Cellophane Skin that, you know, you've got some brutal blasts of feedback on that. And, but it's yeah. just, it's really great. What was Chris Isaac and Shoegates, were, were those things that you were listening to or is that stuff that, that you, you're taking an influence from? Yeah. I mean, I love Chris Isaac. I, yeah. I love romanticism. I love desire. I love shoegaze. I love noise. I love uh, yeah. aggression. 
and I love the combination. I love the, the highs and the lows of the possibilities that are given to me. And you, you ended up actually touring the U.S. And, and in Europe. Did that have an effect on the music at all? Did that, did that influence the, the Americana sound for you? Because a lot of the music sounds kind of like it belongs in, in the desert. This has always been part of my dreams. Okay. And where it's it's a huge resource of inspiration to me. But my very first time being in the States was um, 2016 for South by Southwest. Okay, um, cool. And I was already in, in the writing for MTC, I guess. And but I mean, you South by Southwest. That, that's just uh, an impression of of this huge country country and how it looks. Um, uh, being in LA for the first time for a couple of weeks in 2017, I think was 17. Yes, wow. That was something that really uh, it felt like you know you're dreaming about something. And my dreams are very intense and very clear. But once you're there and you're inhaling this air. And you hear the sounds and you really can see through your own eyes how much vibrance there is in the vastness that has an effect on you for sure. I wanted to ask you about touring and playing live with a few people and see if, if wondering if that had an effect on how you play some of your songs live, because some of the songs transformed a lot from the mm -hmm. album versions to the live versions. You know, I'm, I'm, and I'm looking at the live album here, uh, live at Rock Palast, and I don't, I'm, I'm assuming, I'm, I hope I'm saying that correctly. I see it on YouTube all, all the time, but I've never know if I'm Rock saying... Rock Palast was good. Okay, good. Rock Palast. I never know if it I'm was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, so you toured <laughs> with, with artists like, like Jesus and Mary Chain and The Pains of Being Pure at Heart. Did that affect how you play some of your older stuff live and, and transform it into a, a more of a band-centered song, more, more powerful? It for sure um, gave me new... Uh, give me a moment. Sure. And, and while you're thinking, what I, what, the one that, that stands out to me is the song Swans. It's a beautiful mm -hmm. track on the album, but it kind of goes to a different place on the live album. surrounding me right now like Brody Miles White, Jeff, Jeff Collier and uh, Mark Eric Lewis they're sent from heaven and they decided to play in my band and I just found them when I moved to Berlin which isn't that long ago like three years ago yeah um, they came to me after MTC was recorded actually I found Brody because there there was um I needed uh, bass stems for the MTC because we had to redo them again. Oh, and wow. So, so I connected with Brody. Also, I, I committed to a tour and realizing I, I need a new band. Like oh, my band wow. is not joining me on the move, which was fine because there is an end in, in many things. And, and this was fine to, to be an end. Yeah. So um, I met uh, Jeff and Brody when I moved to Berlin. And they instantly joined me on the road. And it's the very first time that I have the pleasure to share the stage and the rehearsal room with 
people with such a talent and such a spirit and such a heart. That makes a difference when yeah. the intention and, and the vision aligns w okay. with my own. So I'm so, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud actually that there is this live recording that brings, that lifts up everything that I have recorded with other people before, because there is a difference when there is a different uh, intention from more energies than just one in creating something. Yeah, it sounds like you know, they have completely taken ownership of the songs on their parts on the songs. I mean, I love what they're doing. I'm a fan of of their unique uh, sound and technique, and um, 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 they have their their space in the songs and on stage. And I'm I'm grateful if they shine. And they do. And I wanted to ask you something because I read this, and I'm I just want to make sure this is true because this is amazing to me if it, if it is the live album has no overdubs no <laughs> wow of course not That's, no you didn't go back and correct anything that's no. amazing i mean we're we're you know we're in 2021 yep <laughs> and we have all resources and possibilities and to record whatever we want but isn't honesty again and emotions what this all is about there yes. is no there is art to me is like a, a clear channel of uh, character or of, of sounds and spaces and it gives me nothing to listen to something perfect even knowing that this is polished or so many Thank people you. that are yeah i mean so many people that are doing uh, live concerts right now um i i saw something for eurosonic nordaslang which is a showcase festival and i had i had a peek into this and there are musicians that play um their showcase of three songs with pretending this is a live thing but you can hear this is process yeah this is i mean doing something on the eq go for it do right. it do do something on the mix excellent we also did that i mean that's that's uh, that that's was something very special mixing process yes. yes but going over vocals i mean if there is something painful a, a spot do it yeah but don't don't use the iron on art that's that's to me not art this is not what i what i'm going for well this is fantastic because in in we haven't had live shows in a year. Yeah. And so if basically, if you want to hear a live show, buy your album, buy live at the rock class, <laughs> because it's, it's a true live album. There is yes. no fixing of, of, of guitar solos or anything like no. that. It's, it's a true live representation. That to me means more than, than anything because so often, like you're saying, people will go back and they'll listen to, Oh yeah, we're going to release a live album. Oh, that, that guitar solo is screwed up. Let me go in the studio and I'll fix the, the, this 10 seconds of this guitar solo and then we'll put it out. And there's none of that. And I no. appreciate that more than I can even put into words. That's what it's about, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, we, mm, I don't know if, if you ever heard about Rock Palace before, but when I was a teenager, I, I watched Rock Palace. It's a, a live television um not program, but a, but a series that yeah. happens to be screened late at night on the weekend. And I, I was seeing Sonic Youth there. I yes. was seeing Placebo, uh, The Smashing Pumpkins. And yeah. yeah, amazing artists. And that, that was next to MTV and the radio, something that really, wow, blew me away. And it was live concerts, you know? So yeah, yeah. I, I was dreaming about having the opportunity to play at Rock Palace at some point in my career and then the invitation came and uh, we had the show two weeks after we, we returned from our huge um, North America tour and that evening was just crazy or oh, that day was crazy because I knew this day is about fulfilling a dream 
don't fuck this up. <laughs> so they were, they were, I was pressuring, pressuring myself so much and I was so scared because I knew this is live on television as well. Wow. So my parents were watching, um, everyone, uh, every parent of, of the band was watching, all friends, like it was eyes on us. Wow. And I also love this because when, uh, when we start the set, I hear my 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 tension in my voice yeah and I, I just hear how how i'm not relaxed yet how it's, it still feels cold and and how how i still need a moment to to i don't know send some warmth into the audience and also relax them a bit and that's so wonderful you know i i know we this, again speaking about this i can do it better fuck this this is the reality of yeah playing a show that's live on on television which is a dream come true and you're doing it and and, and you're enjoying the 90 minutes that are airing right now and during the show you, i mentally had to pinch myself a couple <laughs> of times when i realized like what what's going on like <gasps> we're really doing this or in there. between the encores when we left the stage i was blown away and <laughs> and the most amazing thing was even um when we were still on stage playing the encore i knew this was this was an outstanding show like it felt amazing we we we, we played amazing and celebrated the night because of such a really yeah. such a show <laughs> and um i remember driving back to berlin on the next day and uh, mark and brody were watching um were watching this the, the show mm -hmm. from from the night before and sometimes they would take off their headphones and be like oh man that was fuck this <laughs> and i i was sitting in in front of them and i was so tense like did, did is, is it all fine because i needed their <laughs> approval again to hear like that was a great show in order to confront myself with this experience again because sometimes your head makes things a little bit nicer oh, <laughs> than yeah. they actually are and yeah it was nice to realize oh it was a really good show did you intend, did, did you go in to the show intending to record it and release it as an album or no, was that something afterwards? That was a Corona, um, uh, fight or fly idea that Jeff, okay. my drummer provided me with, because you know, we, we had, we had such a big year lined up, such a big 2020. And yeah. when COVID hit, the first thing I had to do was canceling. Uh, the studio for our third record uh, and i mean w i don't want to go in, into the depth because everyone has to let go of something yeah. and it was this was just in may uh oh, or what wow. we were planned doing in may so um jeff called me one evening and i, I was having really dark moments as I guess we all had. Yeah. And he made a very long introduction. <laughs> and at some point he said, um, um, think about it, but what do you think about asking WDR what they think about uh, releasing a live record? And I was so confused and thought, yeah, okay. I don't think they're going to give us the stems, but why not? I mean, it's a crazy time. I can do that. Yeah. So I was thinking about the proper way to, to compose an email, a respectful email in gratitude right. for the evening that was given to me. And also saying like, I haven't, I'm, I'm an artist. Like, uh, this is how I make my living. And, um, <laughs> however, it took me three days to compose the message and I heard back two hours after I sent it out with a clear yes. Wow. Yes. That was That's an, amazing. An unexpected. And I also didn't think that they would provide us with the stems. Okay. You know, I thought they, they said, okay, the, the live television mix is yours. You can, you can press that. But right. they were super cool about um, giving us the stems so I could wow. invite uh, Scott to work on the mix and bring this closer to my sound world. That's amazing. That's so yeah. generous. Yes. And not to bring anything down, 
but I also heard that you guys got robbed on the, the tour before oh, yes. the ship. <laughs> Is that yes. true? Absolutely, yes. Oh. We, I mean, we, we got robbed twice in 2019. We had a short US tour in March. That was, I mean, in retrospect, it's such a crazy trip because we were <laughs> opening the New Colossus Festival in New York. That, that oh. was in March. Cool. And I had wonderful days in New York before. That's something that I do, especially when there is a time difference. I go a little bit earlier and check the vibe of the city yeah. to, to blend in a little bit better. However, we, we started in New York and then flew to California, played LA and San Francisco. And on the way back to LA, um, we had a wonderful brunch uh, with a friend of the band uh, close by the ocean. Oh, wow. And a beautiful walk by the ocean. And I go crazy if I see water. Um, <laughs> And then we returned back to the van and they broke in and stole only one uh, one backpack, oh, which was that's... painful, but I mean... It got um, a lot worse. And f yeah. Yes, it got worse oh. when, uh, when, when we went to the States the second time, which was uh, in September. We played LA, had already an off day and stayed uh, on the border in California, Arizona, Woke, I had a beautiful Dolce Vita off day and <laughs> woke up in the, I got, I got uh, my, my tour manager knocked on my door in the morning and he said, um, hey, sweetie, you, you might want to get dressed. The police is outside. We got robbed. <laughs> oh, oh my God. And I was, I was, are the guitars there? Like, like <laughs> what? And I got outside and there the band and he they already you know they only needed me to to as the last one to enter the scene and be like okay that's it's my tour <laughs> this yeah. happened but we got robbed god I'm painfully sorry. stay away from the west to... coast apparently next time you come to the u.s just stay oh, on the Mom, east coast but i love california you know <laughs> and i'm pretty good and forgiving i guess and yeah. Yeah, well, it was uh, it was an experience, and uh, we became wiser in how yeah. we should do this. But I mean, <laughs> looking looking back, it, it was part of it. Part yeah, of it un was. unfortunately, going back to your second album, MTC, you put out a companion piece of mm -hmm. photography. Yes. with the album how did you get into that have you always been into photography and and how did you decide to put a, a book together to go with the album that was also um an idea i received um from the boss of my north american label which is super cool dude god and and a fan of of my art and my photography awesome. and he gave me the impulse and and it was a no-brainer to me, but I sometimes, you know, sometimes you need to get, to have an impulse in, mm -hmm. in execute something. And I was grateful to receive that and then dove into this. And that was, I always call it my demon's little brother because <laughs> I, I said like it that. before, MTC is a soundtrack um, about a crisis. Yeah. And of course there's a visual component about this as well it's from the photos that i've seen on your instagram because unfortunately well fortunately for you unfortunately for me the book is sold out and mm -hmm. i can't get one but <laughs> but from the the work that i've seen on your social media and, and stuff you're very talented and i Oh, would I, I hope you do when the third album comes out i hope you do something similar because i would love being a, a photographer oh, myself i would you. love to to see the work that you're continuing to do thank you i mean i'll have a look into my archive what i can <laughs> do about the book yeah and quarantine photos yeah i mean it's it's a it's a part of me experiencing the world to document it, document yeah. it in a way and of course i continued taking photos landscape ones or photos about my trip and i'm already showing them on my patreon because i started writing ab about our tour as well and using the photos that i did on on this journey and 
I rarely work with uh, artists and uh, capture their moments. I, I had a beautiful uh, photo experience with Lucy Kruger. Oh, in I love summer. Lucy. Yes. Oh, yeah. That, that was a, a very intense um, project that we did together. And I love to photograph uh, families and um, couples. Not not speaking of a romantic relationship, but, right, but right? People that have a special connection with each other. So yeah, I I continue do, uh, I'm continuing doing it. That's fantastic. Well, I, I'm gonna have to keep an eye out for that stuff because it. I, I'm really you. You actually hit a lot of this stuff that I like, but I don't like to do. I don't like photographing. <laughs> I love doing uh, landscapes nature stuff as well i i love doing live music photography that's mm -hmm. i've always loved doing that and i've you know i've been lucky enough to be able to do it a few times so your photography is uh similar in certain aspects but you also hit like weddings when you talked about singing at weddings i absolutely despised photographing weddings it was just the worst that's something that's something different because then you're there for a job and you have to deliver i don't know 300 photos and and this yeah. and that like not i'm not speaking about this but uh capturing uh, a part of someone's life uh, for example um, and there's no redos no no i mean a, a wedding is it's is once Do you a milestone it? to people get right and and they they have their vision and like this is not what i'm talking about but um speaking about a newborn entering the world or speaking about a, a woman being pregnant yeah. or a, a mother a father and daughter being together you know those bonds be between a family and I, I love to document this but also um giving them some safe space because it's not natural to everyone to stand in front of a camera right. if you're not a model so exactly. you want to have you want to feel warmth and the trust and you also want to trust into the eyes of the photographer and yep. i i love i love giving the trust to to people and to just document what, what they're doing or what they or trying to document in a visual way what they experiencing while having a baby in their womb i mean it's it's a big how how can you do that but it's i'm, I'm trying i'm trying to document their experience it's a similar experience to the live show like the live album you're you've got this these babies which are your songs and you're giving them to the audience and mm -hmm. you want that trust that that they're going to react in a positive way to them. And that's a question I had about the touring that you've done. You've toured U.S. and you've toured Europe a lot. Mm -hmm. And in the recording of the live album, the audience sounds very polite mm -hmm. and very enthusiastic, but they wait till the end of the, so the song's done yeah. and then they, they applaud, which in my experience is a lot different from American audiences, which will scream and yell throughout the entire thing song <laughs> is there is, there, have you found a difference between the two audiences i mean there are cultural differences i yeah. also experienced it for the very first time that people were starting dancing to my music in bisbee arizona yeah, <laughs> yeah. they still danced in tucson and in dallas as well That's so awesome. i i was happy to see this but this is not uh, happy in uh, ha happening in germany it's just a, a different culture and how they receive and behave being exposed to music but in general i i really like this if people are so attentive that they give space to the music yeah and show the respect to let it fade out but I guess that's also the way of how I'm I'm performing and how I guide my audience through a life set, okay. through a seance or a serenade. So I'm I'm very aware of of what happens in in the audience, and I really try to give them the room to have a, a most wonderful experience. The live album does what all my favorite live albums do. It kind of gives new life and a different perspective on some of these songs. And some of them are completely transformed, like like uh, Night Ride, for example. I, mm -hmm. It's a great track on the album, but live, it it sounds like 
something from the doors. Krieger on guitar it's just are there songs on the album that that had to be left off because of the time constraints or anything or because it's, it's a, a 10 track album and yes did um, you have to leave anything off is there anything that that's on the cutting room floor yes um due to the fact that i'm not a fan of a double vinyl yeah um <laughs> I was the one who said like this is our limit and we we can only bring those songs in so mm -hmm. in in reality Salafainskian was the first encore then Crisis was following and a cover of Aretha Franklin's uh, Never Love the Man the Way that I Love You Oh Did wow Did you listen to it? It's on on the digital services and also um I think on Bandcamp check that out because i've just been listening to the the uh physical copy that you sent to me so uh, yeah yeah no I no i that that was me i didn't want to have a double vinyl because it's also more waste yeah for environment and i'm not a fan of walking to the to the vinyl player and changing the records because i think ah don't interrupt music yeah. when it's going on. Exactly. You know? <laughs> so for the most part, this is a, a fairly pretty accurate set list. This is these are songs that you would normally play on mm -hmm. on tour. So it's. I mean, uh, the thing is, we we had um, we had the very luxurious problem of having too much time, so we had to stretch the songs, and uh, that's also something nice because there there are a whole lot of experiments on on the record, and no one knows because we really had to extend songs. That's awesome. Filling this up, and um, you really should listen to the cover of Ain't Never Loved a Man. It's a very doomy Sabbath. Kind of very dark and, and, and gloomy version, a very loud one, and and the band has the grande finale for themselves. Like I, I'm, I'm leaving them for I don't know two minutes, so can they can do wow. their thing, and I'll be like, bye. I am checking that out as soon <laughs> um, as we wrap up. Yes, so Man. I think this version might be nine minutes long or something like this. Wow. So in maybe maybe we have the opportunity to, I don't know bring out an EP in the future I don't know cool. but that that would make a wonderful b-side that know? well I'm gonna check that out as soon as as soon as yeah. we're, we're done here so and we're, we're getting close I <laughs> kept you for quite a while so I do appreciate all the time you've given me you mentioned a third album mm -hmm. are you working on anything I mean you, you said you had like a was it a third album that was basically written just not recorded mm-hmm uh, has that has a plan for that change? I mean, are, are you are you going to eventually record it? Or are you going to work on something else? Um, I'm a big song. Uh, I'm a big fan of the songs that uh, got born before the pandemic, but yeah. the pandemic helped me um, inviting new perspective perspectives. Okay. in a global collective uh, kind of way and i also have to admit that in retrospective i'm very grateful for this forced pause because i mean it was too much of a, of a rush you know this hamster wheel where humans tend to be too quick I realize I shouldn't be in this and shouldn't force myself to be in this and shouldn't pressure myself if I'm working creatively. So the time that now was giving to me and to us as Ben is 
something very wonderful because this will enrich every song that has been written before and every word and and sound that is leaving our my mouth and our fingers like it's it's time is a gift and yeah. uh, patience as well so i'm very much looking forward of a healed world and the possibility is to go in a studio with five people to do a record the way i would love to record it you know as live as possible well i'm looking forward to it and make sure you document it with some photographs while you're doing it <laughs> i will do it yes <laughs> well thank you so much for spending part of your evening with me and and explaining everything behind this i absolutely love the live album it, I, I love the studio stuff but the live album just hits me even more powerfully mm. it the, the songs are just incredible so i highly recommend everybody go check it out and, and pick up a copy because if you want to experience a live show that's as close as you're going to get because there's no overdubs <laughs> and you can't go out and see a live show anyway so yeah. pick up laura's album live at rock Palast. so thank you so much for spending some time with me and and, and just you. chatting it's been great thank you and thank you to the listeners for listening to us having this conversation <laughs> It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.